tell you what. I feel the Holy Ghost right now, my God. I, I just feel, I just feel, I'm thankful for a church that lets the Holy Spirit move. I'm thankful for a church where you can feel his presence. I don't serve some fat Buddha statue where I got to rub his belly as it goes out and he's dead, he ain't never alive. And Come on, y'all hear me? I serve a God that's alive, man. You can feel him because he's alive. Huh? Jesus. Oh, and by the way, you like my shirt? Stand up, brother, and turn around and show him yours. He's copied most be just like me. That's my spiritual son right there. Actually, how cool is this? I didn't know he was going to wear that today. I wore this because I knew he was coming. I want you to know that if you, do you like this shirt? Ain't it cool? If you want to get one, just see Brother Richard on the front, and he's the one that's selling them. Every bit goes towards his ministry, powerful, powerful ministry. So make sure you stop and tell Richard, give me one of them revival shirts. Praise God. You watch it online, we welcome you, we love you. Like, subscribe, all the above. I'm going to tell you something, I'm excited. The last two weeks we've been dealing with some devils up in here. The devil has snake bitten our country. The devil, the devil has snake bitten us and mankind, and we've been exposing some devils. We are not afraid to expose devils up in this house. Are y'all here? Just want to review very quickly. We started in part one three weeks ago in the garden. We told you that, that when Eve and Adam were standing at the tree, that the reason they took the bite was because they were already bitten. Are y'all hearing me? They were bitten before they ever took the bite. In fact, they bit themselves because here's the reality. The serpent and the devil has no authority and no right to bite you. The only way you can become snake bitten is you have to make room and give permission for that ugly devil to bite you. Everybody wants to blame the devil and blame the devil. And we need, to, we need to acknowledge there is a devil. We need to acknowledge there are demons. But I got news for you. No demon and no devil has ever taken authority here in this earth, whether it be over a person, whether it be over a city, a state, a nation, or a people group, without the permission of people giving them that authority. The devil does not have the authority because if he had the authority on his own, he would just kill every one of you. Are y'all hearing me? So mankind has been snake bitten because man permitted themselves to be snake bitten. I'm going to say it to you and I'm going to make it plain and I'm going to get into some stuff today. I'm going I'm I'm to tell it like it is and I wish I had a church that would help me. This nation, I'm talking about the world, but all I can talk about is America. I'm an American citizen, so I'm going to talk to America. This nation is snake bitten. Now, I didn't say it wasn't great. My God, this is a great country, and if you don't like it, I'm sorry. I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm going to sing it, God bless America. Praise God. I love the United States of America and all of its things that's bad about it. Get on a plane and go to a third world country and go on a mission and begin to deal with what people have to deal with around the world. You'll kiss the ground when you come back. Am I right, see? The poison of the garden is more obvious now than in our lifetimes for sure. There is, everywhere you turn, you see the venom of the garden. This nation, in all of its frailty, 
and all of its imperfectness and even the sins of those that formed this nation was created to be a beacon of light to the world. Let me tell you something. I'm saying this on the 4th of July weekend. You're getting quiet because you're taking it in, I know, but I ain't scared. Here's the reality. More missionaries are sent out from this nation to this day and has always been that way than any other nation in the world. More churches are planted than any other nation of the world. The idea of hospitals, universities were taken to another level by the local church in this nation all over the world. But from the beginning, listen to me, the enemy has tried to destroy why God wants to use us. He wants to use us. As I said earlier, we understood something that a lot of people didn't understand. And that was, and I don't even know if they really even understood it. I, probably, I don't even think they really did understand it. But on the 4th of July, 1776, a group of people declared a nation independent of another nation. I'm going to tell you something right now. Sometimes you have to pray for other people who are not ready to be able to have the faith that you have. I'm going to tell you something as your pastor. I am declaring independence on 4th of July weekend over the church that God has given me. I don't, no matter what your name is, no matter what side of the tracks you were born on, if I am your pastor, I'm speaking over your life right now. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Whether you see it or not, I'm trying to help you understand God wants to use you in this day. Don't let the devil steal your joy. Is this microphone just loud enough where it's just a hair shy of exploding your eardrum? That's what we want. Nobody talks about October 19th, 1781. In fact, I, I, I dare say that most of us all live our lives, go all the way through into the fall. By the time we get to October 19th, we're thinking about pumpkin spice. Huh? We're thinking about what we're going to do for Halloween, and, and we're looking at the leaves and all this kind of stuff, and we pass right by the day in history that actually the enemy surrendered. Can I be real with y'all this morning? Some of y'all done forgot, forgot what it felt like when you finally was set free. Some of y'all done forgot what it felt like the day you were born again. You've lost your first love. This country, this nation, this state, and the local church on, on many levels, I'm, not, I'm painting a broad brush here. I'm not talking about specifics. But as, as a whole, we, we means me. We means us. We, as the church, have lost our first love. What is our first love supposed to be? It is supposed, he gave us our first love in Matthew uh, uh, chapter 24 when he gave us the great commission when he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, teaching them to observe whatsoever I command you, and lo, I'll be with the ends of the world. We have forgotten the reason we exist is to win people to Christ and to heal them of the snake-bitten poison that's in them called sin. For the wages of sin is... Now you see that snake up there? That's a rattlesnake. That is a bad-looking rattlesnake. But I'm shouting him down. I ain't scared of him. Actually, I am scared of him. In the natural but not in the spirit, if I come up on that one right there, I would probably not be screaming right in his face. 
Let's just be real. Let's just be real. You can be anything in, in graphics, but not in real life. That's not real life. But inside, I want you, I want you to look at this. Inside that long, scaly, slimy body of a snake, at the top of that head where that head is, and that is an evil-looking head, there are pockets that hold poison. The fangs are hollow so that they are designed. Oh, listen to me. That snake is designed. That, I don't want to mess your theology up, but that snake was made in the garden by God and put in a tree. Oh, I don't want to preach that sermon again. Go back and watch it. But those fangs are hollow, and it's a perfectly designed killing machine. But the only way it can kill you is if you get too close. There are rattlesnakes everywhere, and I don't want to mess y'all up, but they are in your woods. There are other kind of snakes in your yard. Some of y'all have found them in your house. I mean, when I was a little boy, I was, I was a drummer most of my life, and I always had drumsticks with me, and I'd always lay them around, and I, I would lay them beside me. And when I was a little boy, i never forget it, in my house, I reached down to pick up a drumstick, and it, just before I touched it, it was a snake in my house. My mama went crazy, ran us all outside, my uncle came in and watched the snake go up inside our couch and disappear inside our couch. Needless to say, my whole hillside was surrounding it. We picked up the couch, took the couch outside. They took every piece of furniture outside. All my uncles were standing around with shovels, seeing which one was going to be brave enough to pull the back of the couch off. They pulled the back. By that time in our mind, the story had got so big, this snake is as big as the couch. And they pulled the back of it off and that snake came out and that snake's about that long. And I'm telling you what, grown men, I'm in all over the place trying to kill it. And that joker made it through three uncles and four cousins and got away. But here's the thing. Do you understand how we felt when we took that couch back inside the house? And when we all sat down on that couch again? Because you're always asking, where's mama, where's brother, where's sister? In fact, one of our leaders came up and gave me this. Look how big that rattle is. That is the sound of run away. <laughs> but do you know what really though? I, I, can y'all handle deep word today? Can y'all handle a deep word today? Can I just go ahead and go a little deep? Let me tell you what that really is. That's grace. God teaches us his grace in a rattlesnake. Oh, y'all didn't get it. In other words, here's a warning. 
don't come near me. Now, I know sometimes you accidentally just step on top of them, but a lot of times if you see one and you back up slow enough, that thing will raise up and you'll hear. That is a sound that God put on that poisonous snake to give you a chance to make a decision. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. But we live in a world now, we are constantly hearing this, but we've heard it for so long, we've become numb to it. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. We think the moment we go going through something tough, when we have to go through a season of trials, oh my God, I need help, Jesus. We believe that God has abandoned us. But I want you to know in the midst of chaos and in the midst of trials, there is a sound that if you could hear it, God is trying to warn you and he is trying to order your steps so you'll know where to step. Do you know this? Let me tell you something. You got a choice. You can run through the forest or you can let the Lord order your steps. And if the Lord orders your steps, you can walk right through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil. You can walk through a pandemic and know you you're going to come out all right. You can walk through chaos. You can walk through trouble. You can walk. God has, listen, listen. I'm not trying to come against the CDC or anything like this by what I'm about to say. Please do not twist my words. But you got to understand that God uses the natural to teach us spiritual principles. And a lot of things that are going on in the natural have a huge spiritual implication. The answer is being told to us is the only way you can survive is to hide and to isolate. Hmm. Now, I'm not telling you, oh, I hate that I have to do this. It makes me sick that I have to do this, but I have to do this. PSA, declaration, I'm not saying that you shouldn't stay home. I'm not saying that you shouldn't wear a mask. I'm not saying that you shouldn't worry about your health. I'm not. And even if it sounds like I'm being, uh, you know, smart, I'm really not. I'm just trying to say this so that I can go and get back to my sermon. I promise you from the bottom of my heart, no one is judging you. No one, starting with me, take your time. If it takes you six months, that is perfectly fine with us. All I'm trying to be is a pastor speaking to my people and speaking to you. All I'm trying to do is help us make sure we know who we are when we come out of this thing. Do you understand? We're coming out of this thing and there is a concerted effort for us to be different and think different about God when we come out. Noah, Elijah, Job, Moses, Joseph, John the Baptist, Jesus, Paul. I could go on and on and on. Every one of these great men and great women in the word of God had to go through massive trials, massive pain. Most all of them were even killed for their faith. You know the apostle Paul? You ever heard the apostle Paul say amen? Amen. Can I tell you something? He wasn't born the Apostle Paul. He was born a man named Saul in a place called Tarsus. I want to remind you something about Saul. The book of Acts chapter 7 says this in verse 54. This is the stoning of Stephen. He says, when I heard these things, technology, when I heard these things, they were cut to the heart. They're talking about what Stephen was saying. Stephen just laid out what the people of the Jewish faith had done and why they were rejecting Jesus. 
It says they gnashed at him with their teeth. They ran at him and began to bite him. Now you're talking about you're snake bitten when you're going to run up to somebody and start biting them. Huh? But wait a minute. These were not heathen people who didn't believe in any kind of God. These were not atheist people. This was the religious order of the day. Do you know who's coming against pastors more than anybody in the world right now? Pastors. Other pastors. Instead of there being unity of the men of God, the women of God, speaking the word of God, it is the pastors who are trying to tear down other pastors. Huh? Pastors who have not have decided not to come back to in-person worship services are doing little, sort of little veil references against those that have. Those that have come back to services are trying to be sneaky and do little veil references, attacking the faith of those that haven't. It's ridiculous. Huh? You don't, you don't know what's going on in the pastor's lives. I'm inundated with messages every week. I'm saying too much. I'm not saying enough. So one day I just, I just posted, you be you and I'll be me. Huh? How about this? How about you be you and I'll be me and we'll still love each other? I'm preaching better than you shout. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, Stephen, oh, I love this about Stephen. I've said it many times. I even say it in my book. He says that there's no time that Stephen is ever named that he is not also preceded by uh, two or three words in a comma or, or after his name, there is a comma and there's something. It's always Stephen, comma, man of faith. Stephen, comma, full of the Holy Ghost. Stephen, comma, full of grace and mercy. Stephen was full of it. Huh? Somebody shout, I want to be full of it. You better watch it, it might get you stoned. But he being full of the Holy Spirit gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, ran at him at one accord and they cast him out of the city. Some theologians said they threw him off of a ledge and then when he hit the ground, they stoned him and finished him off. Here's the key thing I want to show you. While all this is going on, a wit and the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man with his arms crossed standing and watching it named Saul. They stoned Stephen as he was calling on God saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. What a man. But I want you to know something that goes on. Acts chapter 8 verse 1. It says, now Saul, Saul was consenting unto his death. At that time a great persecution, the time of, of Stephen, came against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc on the church, entering every house, dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. 
There has never been a greater example in the Spirit of God, in the Word of God, revealing to us by His Holy Spirit. There has never been a greater example of a snake-bitten human being, venom-filled human being like Saul of Tarsus. While the greatest One of the greatest stories, the greatest testimonies of faith that we've ever seen. A man that was so full of faith and power that he caused Jesus to stand up in heaven. Do you understand? The Bible says Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father. But when Stephen was being stoned, Jesus looked up and parted heaven and let him see him face to face and stood up and, my God, when you make Jesus stand up in heaven, you somebody. Huh? You somebody. And Saul, instead of receiving it and going, my God, what a man of God, he's sitting there saying, take your coat off so you can hit him harder. Throw your coat down here on me. I'll hold you, coach. Take him out. Shut him up. And while they're carrying the body of Stephen out, lamenting him, he's breaking into homes and dragging them out, resting them, committing them to prison, speaking and pronouncing death sentences on them. So don't you tell me this mess that the house, the roof's gonna cave in on you if you come to church. That's such a cop-out Alabama response to being invited to church. I'd go to church, but the roof would fall in if I came. Lightning would strike that building. I care too much about y'all to do that to you. You ain't as big and bad as you think you are. You ain't as bad a sinner as you think you are. And by the way, you could be the baddest, meanest sinner that's ever existed. It don't erase the three words on the cross. It is finished. Come on. It's bigger and it's bigger and more amazing than anything you've ever done. Now watch this. Snake bitten, poison filled. No greater example of a let me just be real with you. I believe Saul was demonically possessed. You can't be on that level and have that much hatred for the people of God who just simply want to worship him and take his name unless you are demonically possessed. So I'm talking about a demon-possessed, hate-filled, venom-filled, I mean, a living, breathing, walking, human personification of evil is what Saul was. Because the devil knows he can't take out God. So what does he do? The only thing he can do is try to take out God's people who were created in his image. So that that force that drove Saul was the venom of that snake. Are y'all hearing me? Thank God for chapter 9. Luke begins to, he tells us all about Saul of Tarsus and then he says in verse one, I love this. No fanfare, just tells us of a day. Then, everybody say then. Then Saul, watch this, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. No evidence of change. Went to the high priest and said, give me letters to the synagogues of Damascus. That's where I'm headed. So, so that if he found any who were of the way, capital W, that was what they called themselves before they were first called Christians in Antioch. They were just known as those in the way. Why they call themselves the way? Because Jesus said, I am the way. 
whether men or women, he might bring them bound back to Jerusalem. So he has papers in his hand. Authority been given to him to arrest anyone who calls himself a Christian. And as he's journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly, everybody say suddenly. I'm telling you, God is a suddenly God. Reminds me of Acts chapter two. And they were all in one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. God specializes in suddenly showing you he can change any situation or any person. I don't care how bad you are. I'm telling you, God can suddenly take you from darkness and into light. I wish I could preach. Suddenly, a light shone round about him from heaven. Then he fell on the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Basically, master, leader, authority figure. I can tell whoever you are, you've got authority. Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, he didn't make no bones about it, did he? He didn't say, I'm, I'm some concept of God. I'm some path to God. I'm, I'm, I'm the universe. Oh, we got a world now. They just want, the universe is telling me. The universe ain't telling you nothing. That's the devil. Huh? Universe, by the way, if you didn't know that, is made up of stars and planets. They don't talk. Hate to have to help you that way. Then the Lord said, I am Jesus. Wait a minute. He was already dead, buried, resurrected, showed himself for 40 days, sitting at the right hand of God, and he comes down on a road to Damascus. I am Jesus. Y'all ain't ready for these next few lines. Whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. In other words, you know I've been poking you. You know I've been telling you. You try to act so big and bad, but you know down deep inside when you saw Stephen and you saw him and you heard him say, don't even hold this sin against him, and he laid over and just went to sleep. You, nobody else saw what was going on inside of you, but I know what was going on inside of you because I'm the one that was doing it. You know the word and you know I am the Messiah. You know that's why you're so driven. Let me tell you something. When somebody is angry and somebody is bitter, they will not rest till everyone is miserable if they're not willing to accept the truth that they know is truth and that they are wrong. They will drive everybody to the pit and try to drag everybody down with them when even on the inside, they don't even believe what they're saying. Y'all didn't get that. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? That tells me what he was saying when he said, it's hard for you to kick against the goads, the prods. He immediately admitted it. He's like, you caught me. Huh? I'm good. Okay, let's talk. What do you want me to do, Lord? I'm tired of running. You know what it makes me think about? It makes me think about that story of David. When, 
when David had allowed himself to get into things he never dreamed he would get into, committing adultery with another man's wife, having him killed. Are y'all hearing me? A man after God's own heart, a shepherd who was chosen by God. The, 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 the trumpet, the horn of oil was poured upon his head. It said, I have found me a man that's after my own heart, had now committed adultery, was at the very least accessory to murder has been so full of himself who didn't care to have anything but his, his regular garb and a sling and now he's dressed and adorned in gold sitting upon a throne. And right after that happens, the prophet comes in. The prophet says, will, will you permit me, king, to tell you a story? He says, tell me the story, go ahead. You always tell good stories. He said there was a man who had all the sheep he could ever imagine that he would want. He had all the sheep in the land. No matter what he wanted, he had it. And then there was another lowly farmer. He only had one lamb, only one. He didn't have what the rich man had. He only had one. But the the one that had everything was not satisfied until, until he had the one of the man that that's all he had. He got mad and thought, I'm supposed to have everything. So he goes and he takes away the one lamb from the man and that's all he had and put it into the rest of all the crowd that he already had. He says, what do you think about that? And I'll never, I love this story. David gets up, slams his scepter down, dressed in gold. He says, I'm going to tell you, you need to tell me because I know how you work, sir. You use these little stories. You're trying to tell me about somebody that really did this. Who is this man? Because whoever this man is, he deserves to die right now. And the prophet Nathan just backed up and he says, well, you since you asked for it, I'll tell you who the man is. Behold, you are the man. And you know what happened? He he had got snake bitten. But the exposure was the invitation to the antidote. Behold, you are the man. And I'll never forget the Bible says David wept, fell on his feet, ripped his clothes which was a sign of grief and mourning, grabbed ashes from the altar and poured it upon his head. And it was at that moment that he cried out and later recorded in a psalm what he said at that moment in front of Nathan. And the Bible said he cried out, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. It was at that moment that those words came out of his mouth. And it was that repentance which was the injection of the antidote. Are y'all hearing me? Saul of Tarsus says, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said, arise and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground and when his eyes were opened, he could see no one. He was blind. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. He was there three days without sight neither ate nor drank. Can I tell you something? When God delivers the antidote into your life in the midst of others that are snake bitten, they will know that something happened, but they will not be able to see what you see. They'll hear a thunder. They'll feel a rumbling. They'll see a change. They will not hear the voice because the snake bitten cannot hear the voice of God clearly. Are y'all hearing me? 
God, you might want to write this down. God requires humility and repentance to receive the antivenom. Repentance and humility is when you decide to look at the nurse and give them your arm. They start trying to find a vein. No matter how scared you are of needles, if you're sick and you know what they're about to give you is going to make you better, you'll let them wrap something around you and squeeze it so tight it feels like all the blood in your hands. You'll do exactly what they tell you to do. You'll squeeze that little ball. You'll squeeze. You'll, you'll find that vein. Now, for me, they don't have no problem finding veins. I got good veins. They'll say, you got good veins. But some of y'all are like, I can't find no veins. But they'll poke and they'll prod and they'll poke and they'll prod. But by you allowing them to do that, you've given them permission. Oh, y'all hear me. God said, listen, I'm not going to force this on you. If you want it, it's available. But you're going to have to humble yourself. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I'll give them the antivenom and heal their land. We want God to heal our land, but we don't want to humble ourselves. We want God to heal our land, but we don't want to turn from our wicked ways. You want God to heal this land, you're going to have to humble yourself, repent, and turn from your wicked ways. America, humble yourself, repent, and turn from your wicked ways. I'm telling you right now, this is a message for the nation. Paul had hands laid on him when he got to Ananias' house. Ananias, I ain't gonna read it. You can write it down. Acts chapter nine. It's a lot of reading, but he shows up. Oh, and I like this, man. God's so awesome. He tells him, and I know this was just the name of a street, but how cool is it? He says, arise and go down a street called Straight. Huh? The name of the street is Straight. I'm going to tell you something. When you're blind and you're trying to get somewhere, you don't need to be on no curvy road. How awesome is God? God said, not only do I know you're blind, I'm the one that ain't letting you see anything, but don't worry about it. My way is straight. My way is narrow. Oh, I feel God. I feel God. He's trying to teach us something, y'all. He's trying to teach us something. On a place, on a street called Straight. Ananias, God speaks to Ananias and says, hey, I'm sending somebody I need you to pray for. Ananias said, always, God, whoever, whatever you need, Lord, I'm here for you. What's his name, Lord? His name is Saul of Tarsus. Uh, wait a minute, God. You know, God, I'll do anything. Ooh, I'm about to tear some folks up right now. I'm, telling you, I'm, about, I'm either going, y'all either going to go all in or I'm going to lose you, what I'm about to say right here. You better hold on. You better fasten your seatbelt. Now, wait a minute, Saul of Tarsus. We all know him. He has terrorized and runners, listen, they're in Damascus. Runners have already came ahead and told us he is on his way. 
that he has papers and authority to arrest and kill all of us. We know he's coming. We have been told and tipped off. You want me to pray for him? Can I tell you something? Ooh, here we go. We live in a culture now that if we don't like you, we'll go back to 1984 and find something you said and you did and destroy your life. Even though God has saved you, changed you, you're a, you're a great citizen in the community, a great father or mother, husband or wife, you are loved, you are, are y'all hearing me? But because of something you did BC, before Christ, they're gonna destroy you. If the, oh, y'all ain't gonna like it. I told you, you're either gonna go all in, or I'm gonna lose you. The apostle Paul would not be able to preach in most churches in America today because the moment he got put on the sign and people knew who he was, all they would do is try to tell you what he used to do before the road to Damascus and they don't want it. It don't forgive what he did to us, but he's forgiven by God. Do you understand there are, there are murderers on death row that are forgiven by God? You're going to be surprised. <laughs> if y'all knew how my brain works up here sometimes, the, the, the stuff that goes on between my, my spirit man and my, and my soul and my mind, the things that don't get said up here, if y'all only knew the things that I take home with me, some of them I don't need to say, Hutch, because I ain't got time to explain them. Not because I'm ashamed of them, not because they're bad thoughts. Got too much to talk about. And that is this. And sometimes, I think it's because I'm 52, sometimes when I get off on a rabbit trail like that, I literally, absolutely, I think it's the Holy Spirit too, makes me forget what I was about to say because I really just forgot what I was about to say. Huh? Are y'all hearing this? Ann and I said, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, I want you to get this. Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Oh, there's so much I need to unpack right there. First of all, I want you to know something. Do you think God made him a chosen vessel on the road to Damascus or when he was born was he a chosen vessel? Just because you don't do what you're supposed to do, the Bible said, I knew you in your mama's womb and I called you by name. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. God is the one that sets your purpose. You may not walk in your purpose. You may not submit to your purpose, but that don't mean it ain't in there. He said, I know what you heard about him. Everything you heard about him is true. 
But here's why I need you to go pray for him. He is a chosen vessel of mine. And I, but, but now here's the second thing I need to unpack that y'all don't like. Y'all like that part. Y'all like the part that no matter how bad of a person you've been, the grace of God can make you a chosen vessel. What you don't like is what he says that means. You don't like that part and you don't read that part and you skip right over that part. But he says, because he's a chosen vessel and he's going to take the gospel to the Gentiles and to the children of Israel and to all these people around the world, he didn't even know it, but what he's trying to say was going to probably be the greatest Christian example that's ever lived, right? The majority of the New Testament, most of, are y'all hearing me? Give us revelation about things that we would have never known. Here's how it's going to happen. When I spend time with him, I'm going to tell him all the things he's going to have to suffer for my name's sake. See, you'll sign up for it if you believe being a chosen vessel means the blessed life. Living your best life now. See, some of y'all come to Solid Rock thinking the pastor's going to teach you how to live your best life now. Be your best you. Doggone it. Go do it. Go be good. Listen. I do want you to live your best life now. I'm planning on living mine. And I'm going to tell you something. The greatest men of God that lived the best life they ever could had to suffer for his name's sake. In fact, Jesus even told us there'll be a last day generation that will be taken up before judges and governors, sentenced to prison for, for believing in him, and even killed. So Ananias went on his way and entered to the house laid hands on him, and watch what happened. He laid hands on him. I want to show you something. What did he say? What's the two first, two, first two words? Ananias, who just got through saying, there ain't no way I'm laying hands on that evil man. What is the first two words as he lays his hands on him? What does he say? Brother Saul. Brother Saul. You may have come into a church service or come into, into wherever we're at, an enemy trying to destroy me, but when you humble yourselves and you ask Jesus to come into your heart, no matter what you said about me, no matter what you did to me, I'm going to hug you and call you brother. I'm going to call you sister. They make fun of us because we call ourselves brothers and sisters. They make fun of us saying that we're some kind of cult because we call ourselves brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so. No, we do that because we're family. We do that because we're family. We do that because because we're family. You are my family. In fact, I, some of y'all, I'm happier to call brother and sister than I am some of the ones in my own actual family. I love them. I'd rather hang out and go fishing or shopping with y'all. I better move on. Some of my cousins may be watching. Immediately there fell from his eyes. Watch this. Something like scale. And he received his sight at once. And he arose and was baptized. And when he had received food, he was strengthened. Now watch this. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Goes on to say he was filled with the Holy Ghost as in the beginning. See, the antidote, the antivenom changed everything. Ananias called him a terrorist. Jesus called him a chosen vessel. Because the, the difference between the definitions of Saul in this conversation with Ananias is simply this. 
God had seen something in Saul that Ananias had not been able to see. Oh, y'all didn't hear that. Y'all didn't get it. Y'all ought to shout it loud if you get it. See, there are times and moments that God sees things in us that we expect everyone else to see as well. But you have to know this. They're not going to be able to truly see what God has done in your life personally, how he changed you. You can do your best to articulate it. But you, the world will never see you the way Jesus sees you. See, we call ourselves Christians, and that's okay, that's great. But he calls us children. Huh? We go to church on Sunday, but he says you're grafted into a vine. You've been adopted. You are an heir in a joint heir with Christ. Huh? That means I'm in the wheel. I'm in the will of God. Some of y'all like, somebody passed away in your family, you're like, I want to be, be there when they read the will. See if I'm in the will. Well, let me tell you something. I'm going to read the will. Are you really? You ready? For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, he's given them power to become the sons of God. Huh? Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It is my will that all come to repentance and none perish. That is his will. Man, I'm doing good. It ain't but 1120. Jeez. See, Paul would begin his ministry. But Paul, a little known fact about Paul, is Paul spent some time there with the disciples in Damascus. But immediately after that, the book of Galatians tells us that he said, I went to the deserts of Arabia. For three years he spent time with Jesus personally in isolation in the deserts of Arabia before he ever be officially began his ministry and presented himself to the disciples. So it's almost like just a little blip in Scripture that people miss. In other words, he made a point and Jesus made a point to spend basically almost the exact amount of time with him that the original 12 disciples spent with him. Are y'all hearing me? So that he would be able to not just tell the stories. He goes on later as he's speaking to one of the, one of the many times that he's arrested. And he begins to um, speak to that leader. And he talks about that, you know, the resurrection of Jesus. He reminds the Corinthian people about the resurrection of Jesus. That, that everything we are and everything we believe is based on the resurrection of Jesus. And he lays it out. And he talks about he appeared to, for 40 days, showed himself by many infallible proofs for 40 days. And then he says, and he appeared to James. He starts he, naming off his brother James. Which a lot of people, you want to really think about this? James, the half-brother of Jesus, all of the entire ministry of Jesus, his entire 
entire life all the way up to age 30, 30 to age 33 and a half when he was killed and crucified on the cross. James did not believe his own half-brother was the Messiah. James, the apostle James, thought his brother was a lunatic until during the 40 days when he was showing himself by many infallible proofs, the resurrected Jesus took time to go see his own half-brother. And, the, and Paul said he showed himself to James and said, man, this is what I've been trying to tell you. I am really him. And James so bought in and believed in him that his own half-brother became the leader of the church at Jerusalem. Are y'all hearing me? Then he shows himself. As he's standing up on the mountain, Paul's talking about this. He's reciting it. And 500 men plus women and children witnessed him ascend to heaven and disappear in the clouds and hear the angels say, why stand you gazing? For in like manner as you see him go away, so shall he come again. But then he says something powerful. Many of them have fallen asleep, which is the words they used back then to mean die. Many of them are dead, but watch what he says. But several eyewitnesses to his resurrection and ascension are still alive today. If you don't believe me, go to Jerusalem. They're still alive. They can tell you a personal account of what they saw. And then he says something powerful. He said, he names all these eyewitnesses of the resurrection. And then he says, and finally, myself. For I witnessed him face to face as well. Is that not amazing? That God would take a murderer, snake-bitten, venomous, hatred, filled, Saul of Tarsus, and not only call him a chosen vessel, but to raise him up in such a manner that Jesus would take the time to spend personal, intimate teaching with him for three years in resurrected body and then send him forth. He would then be launched into what is known as the three missionary journeys of Paul. Many call it four, his final journey to Rome. They call that the fourth journey. But it's well established, the three journeys of Paul's missionary journeys, amazing the ground that he covered the, the, on water and land. No cars back then. From city to city to city, walking into the synagogues, preaching, preaching in the, in the front of the goddess Diana with Parthian, Parthian, how you say that? I don't know, all behind him. All these Greek gods all around him. He stood right in the middle of them and preached the gospel. As he comes to the end of his life, he's arrested again. He goes back to Jerusalem. He walks into Jerusalem. He's lived a life now of solid, faithful service, preaching, teaching, miracles. He hears of this issue going on in Jerusalem, he shows back up and immediately he is arrested. He goes through many things. He's put in a prison for a couple of years. Then finally, through many courses of events, he's put on a ship to go to Rome, to be tried. Most people believe he eventually dies in Rome. Some, some think that he actually went to Spain as well, but we don't know that for sure. Most people believe that when he finally made it to Rome, he was, of course, beheaded there eventually and killed. But on the way to Rome, and I'm almost through, I want to show you the power of the anti-venom. Are you ready? He's on this ship, and a storm comes. 
Acts chapter 28. They made it through this storm, but the ship was severely damaged. They realized we've got to find a place to set this ship. And these were, this was a prison ship, by the way. All There were soldiers and prisoners on this ship. They were all prisoners being taken to Rome. Saul was one of them. God had already showed him. Remember this? Before they ever got on the ship, just like before Sodom and Gomorrah was, was destroyed, just like before the earth was flooded in Noah's day, God always sends a rattle first, called a preacher. He always gives a chance for people to repent before his judgment comes. Are y'all hearing me? That's called grace. Grace is not a New Testament thing. Grace is a God thing. So before they're going to get on the ship, he doesn't tell anybody else this, but he tells his chosen vessel, listen, get on this ship. You're going to be in a major storm and this ship is going to be destroyed. But I'm telling you in advance, you're going to make it. Everybody on this ship is going to make it too. So go tell the captain of the ship what I told you. How many of those people are not always ready to hear what God told you? That's why you need to be careful who you tell your dreams and your visions to. Because some people are dream snatchers. Another sermon, another day. So he gets on the ship. He knows what's going to happen. And the Bible says in verse 1, y'all still with me? Come on, come on, come on. Just a few more minutes, a few more minutes. Is that right? Is that really right? I mean, I'm... This is amazing to me. And when they had escaped the storm, watch this, they found this island called Malta. So the ship was destroyed. They're all in the water. They're floating on pieces of wood. They see this island of Malta. They all swim to this island called Malta. And the natives of this island showed us unusual kindness. Now, you got to get this, man. This is powerful revelation. I've preached this before. I've never seen this until this week. For they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper, a snake, came out, gives us the reason. What's the reason? Because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, can you imagine? If I would have saw it, I'd have probably fainted. And people would have thought, my God, the Holy Ghost is all over him. Look at there. Hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a what? What he used to be. The moment the snake bit him, the people tried to remind him of who he used to be. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. Y'all ain't hearing me. Behold, he is a murderer. <laughs> Whom, though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. But he shook it off shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up and suddenly fall down dead. But after they looked for a long time, not offering help, nobody offered help. They was just like, y'all watching this? He's gonna die any moment. Come here, 
Come here, Bubba, you gotta see this. He's about to die. But after they had looked a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said he must be a god. Now I'm going to tell you something. Help me, Lord. The world in times of chaos in times of trouble, in times of cold and storm, in times of shipwreck, the world will make a fire for you and they will invite you to come and be warmed. It will look good. It will look like they had good intentions. In fact, it will even seem that it is doing for you what you need. As long as you stand around the fire they made, the snakes inside the fire, you don't even know they're there. But here's when it all changed. When Paul went and gathered his own sticks and put them on the fire. Something changed to the fire when Paul put the sticks on the fire. Why didn't the snake come out because of the heat before that moment? There was already a fire. Because the snake was a demonic snake. The snake was intentional because what one of John 10, 10 says, thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. Can I just make it this way? The snake comes to steal, kill, and destroy because it's one and the same. The thief, the snake, the devil. Watch this. Oh, this is deep. The snake was happy as long as as the man-made fire was warming the people. But here's the words you've got to get. Paul gathered the sticks. So I'm reading this today. This is the gospel according to Larry, but this is the way it ministered to me. I, I, I heard the Lord say, we are the sticks. The fire was made by the sticks of the people of Malta. But when Paul went, and watch the word, gathered together, forsake not the assembling or gathering of yourselves together. Are you hearing me? As the manner of some is, even the more so as you see that day approaching. The world is trying to tell you, you can still have church. Just have it our way. Although we don't even believe in your God, we've established a way for you to have church. So what are you complaining about? 
Oh, y'all ain't hear me. But you just get real mad and the snakes get real uncomfortable when Pastor Larry or some other pastor goes out into the field and starts gathering and picking people up and saying, come on over here with me. Come on over here with me. Oh my God, y'all ain't hear me. Somebody ought to praise him right now. Somebody ought to praise him. The, oh, are y'all hearing me? That's what we're called to do. <laughs> Get up on your feet and make some noise for Jesus. Solid Rock Church, we gonna gather the sticks, baby. Don't you know that you are like a tree planted by the rivers of living water? Somebody shout, I'm a stick. Throw me on the fire. The devil, not only did the devil not, see there was already heat. But the difference was when Paul touched the sticks and threw the sticks on it, those sticks transformed the fire from heat to the fire of the Holy Ghost. And let me tell you something, a snake can't stay where Holy Ghost fire is. I'm done. But I just think that it is incredible that the, when the snake jumped out, he said, I got one last shot at Paul. This is it. Not that he thought the poison from the viper was going to kill him. Notice the people stood back and watched him to see if he was going to die. The devil knew if I can expose him, if I can cause him to in his mind think that he is still the man he used to be, he'll either die the poison from the snake or the people of this island will kill him. Bottom line is he ain't going to make it off this island. The very first words the enemy moved on them to say, he is a murderer. He heard that, y'all. He heard that. And let me tell you something. No matter how great of a man of God the apostle Paul was, he was still a man. I know what I did. I know what I used to do in high school. I know the things that I said and done before. Look, you bring them back up to me and let me be honest with you, at 52 years old, they still bother me and I still sometimes because of past mistakes in my marriage, past mistakes that I did with my children and I didn't do what I was supposed to do as a father, it still eats at me. It still chews at me. I know God's forgiven me. I know my children have forgiven me. But I'm gonna be honest with you, there are times I'm still not forgiving myself and that snake will jump out on me and he'll spring up the things that I've done and the things that I have said. But I have to do like David. I have to get away. I have to be like Paul. I gotta shake it off and I gotta encourage myself in the Lord. I gotta tell myself, I am not the man I used to be. I was snake bitten, but I have been given the antidote. Shake the snake in the fire. Shake it off. Some of y'all just need to shake something right now because you've got some devils on you. Tell them devils to go. Break the generational curse right now. I know what your mama did. I know what your daddy did. Your granddaddy, your grandmother. I know what your aunt and your uncle did. And I know what the devil's trying to tell you. Shake that devil off right now.
Shake the snake. The devil can't stand it when the people of God begin to gather. So I'm telling you right now, you need to choose you this day whom you're going to serve. The snake of the garden is talking again. The fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is still being enticed in front of you right now. Who will you serve? Will you serve man or will you serve God? Is your hope, is your hope based on an election of a government official? Is your hope based on something that somebody passes to get you a stimulus check? I ain't got no problem with getting your stimulus check. I got mine. I ain't got no problem you get your stimulus check. But I'm just telling you, you can't put your hope in that. You can't put your hope in that. Because let me tell you what it is. It's, it's, it's the world saying, I'll take care of you. Come up here to my fire. Don't, don't worry about anything else. Power bill's paid. Cell phone bill's paid. You haven't lost your car yet. Look what I did for you. Warm around my fire. I'm telling you, the, the church for generations has been warming up to a fire that is laden with snakes. In an effort to be relevant, and I think we need to be relevant, obviously, irrelevant is stupid because that means you can't connect. But in an effort to be relevant, the church has cozied up to man-made fires, fires of religion. At the moment, somebody says something bold like I've been saying over the last few weeks and months. They want to bite. It wasn't the people who didn't believe in God that crucified Jesus. It was those that knew the word better than anybody, supposedly. And they used the word of God and twisted it, just like what happened in the garden, to send the Messiah to a cross. But ain't it awesome? In all of his amazingness of God, he talked about the cross in the garden. He said, there's a seed coming of a woman. The virgin birth shall bring forth a man will live a sinless life and you snake is what he said to the serpent in Genesis 3. You in that day will think you know what you're doing. This is a gospel according to Larry here but this is what I hear because you're an idiot. I don't know if God would say that but that's what the devil is. You're going to lunge out in the fire. Oh, I just heard the Lord say, isn't it interesting that the snake, he that knew no sin became sin and bit the heel of Jesus and Jesus crushed his head when a stick across a piece of wood was brought up. Same thing as last week. 
if I be lifted up. It's just amazing how the Word of God ties together. Huh? As he put, as the stick the, came up, he said, it is finished. The, the poison of those Hall of Fames dug deep into the flesh of Jesus. And those poison pop antivenom. That little, if you've ever seen it, they got that little cup. This is awesome. And they stretch this little film across it. And they'll take that snake and hold it by the back of its neck. Come on, are y'all hearing me? And when he does it, it presses it and makes the snake go, makes him open his mouth. And they'll stick those fangs in there. And they'll sit and watch that poison drip till the last drop is, is out of him. They'll pull him back, put him back in his cage, and they'll use what's in that vial to create the antivenom to that snake. But isn't it interesting that God chooses to teach us even in the principle of making antivenom? Do you know what they call that layer that they put above that cup when they stretch it? Skin. In the making of the antivenom, the snake has to penetrate the skin. And on the other side of the skin, the antidote is being created. The serpent struck the skin of Jesus. But in the moment he did, the antivenom was created in his blood. Come on, y'all hearing me. And when we are born again, that blood is applied. Hallelujah. If you're here today, I'm ready to gather some sticks. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, if you've never said, Jesus, forgive me of my sins and come into my heart. Save me. This is your day. If you're watching online and you know where you stand with God, I don't have to tell a story to pull at your heartstrings. You know where you stand with God. If today is the day that you're ready to finally admit to God, I need a Savior. To forgive me of the sins that I've committed. I'm snake bitten, but I'm ready for the antidote. Maybe you've been saved before, but because of the trials of life, you've stepped out in your relationship with God and you're ready to rededicate your life to him. Online, you can't do it. Here's your altar, how you do it online. It's called the comment section. Whether you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, comment and let us know. It's me, Pastor Larry. Pray for me. I'm coming home. It's me. I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm being born again today. You let us know. When we see those comments, we have people monitoring this right now live that will pray for you. I will see them later. I will pray for you as well. But if you're in this building, the Holy Spirit is pulling you. The antivenom is ready to be applied to your life. It's called the blood of Jesus. I'm encouraging you right now. If that's you, nobody's going to judge you. Nobody's even going to ask you what the deal is. It ain't none of our business. Come right now spread out social distance yourself across this altar come on up here right now who is it who is it is there anybody is there anybody here today pastor that message pulled at me today and I realized I've been warming myself out of fire that I shouldn't be warming myself in I've gone cold I've gone to sleep I want to be I want to be awakened in the spirit anybody 